재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Unfortunately, we've had to report on mass shooting tragedies uh, coming out of the United States in recent years. Uh, unfortunately, this time around, perhaps the biggest tragedy of them all, an apparently mentally disturbed individual uh, driven by what appears to be a mix of jihadist and homophobic, homophobic motives, killed at least 50 people at an Orlando nightclub. On Sunday morning, local time, uh, deemed the worst terror attack since 9-11. Uh, we're still getting the details on this, but we, w- we do want to get some analysis right now. And we're very pleased to have joining us from the University of Sydney U.S. Studies Center, Professor Brendan O'Connor. Hello. How are you? Good to speak with you on this sad day. Yes, thank you very much for joining us as well, Professor. Uh, just w- first, maybe we can get your immediate thoughts uh, in the aftermath of this shooting. Well tragic, isn't it? You think of the friends, the family that are going to be suffering, um, you know, 50 people dead, 53 injured, uh, a community, uh, a gay community in Orlando, Florida, that's already mourning and holding vigils and um, an event. So that that's my first set of thoughts. My second set of thoughts is why does anyone particularly someone who probably had a mental illness and was being followed by the FBI, have easy access to assault weapons, um, you know, to have high-powered um, kind of machine-gun-like weaponry isn't really necessary for any citizen. It's not a hunting weapon. Uh, those weapons kill people. And then thirdly, my job, I'm a professor of politics, and I, you know, worry for the politics of the United States, how this will be manipulated in the campaign, particularly by Donald Trump, and how this will, uh, you know, make sensible discussions about terrorism, hate crimes, guns, even more difficult. Um, This campaign, if it's told us anything in the American uh, election season, is that once uh, Trump gets hold of an issue, it's very hard to discuss it in a kind of rational, sensible manner. And that is true. Uh, Just to follow up on the politics angle on this, uh, a lot of people initially in the aftermath, and you don't want to be too craven in, in, in looking immediately at the political ramifications, but a lot of people felt this played into his hands uh, because of his prior statements, his uh, proposal to ban Muslims from entering the country, his uh, rhetoric against Mexicans and building the wall, what have you. However, uh, the, perhaps um, his desire to exploit the situation was sort of it, it sort of backfired in a sense that a lot of people reacted to his tweet uh, regarding the uh, thanks for all the congratulations as being a little bit, even for him, a bit too vulgar for the moment. And you wonder, uh, at a point where the American public is suffering through this tragedy, where they say enough is enough with this, um, I'll be frank, demagoguery. Yes, indeed. I mean, you don't need someone saying, I told you so. Um, you know, that these things are going to happen and you need to have surveillance in particular communities has been one of Trump's arguments also. And this is, you know, not the right approach. The right approach, obviously, is to hope law enforcement can, you know, track down people who have been radicalised, maybe self-radicalisation in this case is very hard to track down. People with mental illnesses, people with a record of domestic violence, as the case was with this man, uh, shouldn't have access to guns. Uh, that should be, um, you know, part of the divorce proceedings. Hopefully, as uh, you know, a lifetime ban on their availability uh, to buy to buy guns and other weapons. So there are, you know, things in this person's past 
that aren't just to do with Islamic radicalism. You know, there's probably a hatred of homosexuals that comes into this. So there's there's a range of really sad and unfortunate elements to this crime, and it's going to, I, I suppose, uh, take fairly calm sort of analysis to look through all of those factors um, rather than just point to say, look, there's uh, a group of Muslim men in America who are, you know, deadly and um, a threat to sort of American society. We remember the unfortunate killing a couple of years ago or a year or so back in South Carolina where a white right. sort of racist came into a black church and shot numerous people. So there's, there's unfortunate sort of uh, these lone wolf incidents. We've had them in Norway. We've had them throughout Europe. Um, you can't, you know, you can't stop everyone, but you can, I think, make guns a lot harder to, to get access to. And, and that is a point that uh, I also agree with you in that should be perhaps the most important discussion here because, as you say, there's so many layers to this that it's uh, impossible to try to keep track of what exactly people have to argue about, whether it is um, mental health issues and how people are dealing with that, um, Islamist terrorism, uh, homophobia, but really, and you talked about how maybe the FBI dropped a ball on this because he was on their watch list, he was a person of interest, but they apparently uh, just uh, let that slide and he was allowed to purchase a military-grade assault weapon it does seem like whether it's Sandy Hook or the, the Charleston shooting or any of these mass shootings, even San Bernardino, which had, of course, that Islamist element, at the end of the day, the NRA lobby is too strong, and you might have uh, the president and, and various gun control advocates come out and, and state their case, but nothing changes, and that really is a sad state of events. Yes, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, the majority of Americans want... Uh you know, stricter gun control policies. They want access to guns um, being only after people have background checks. They don't want guns to be given to people with mental health problems, to, with criminal records. So I think there is a general consensus that guns have got to be harder to get. You shouldn't be able to buy them at um, gun shows where there's no record-checking record going on in car parks or, or the like. And this political position, which Obama has argued strongly for after every one of these shootings, is near impossible to get through the US Congress where legislation would have to be passed. And so you get this very unfortunate kind of reaction uh, to each of these shootings that you hear the same words being spoken about the need to do more very little action. And I think those of us who are not living in America, say in Korea or Australia, mm -hmm. looking in, say, why? Why do we hear the same rhetoric over and over again? It's hard to understand, I think, the power of the National Rifle Association and their lobbying influence. But that is a, a key reason uh, that this lobbying group targets uh, vulnerable congressmen in southern states quite often, uh, rural and says, look, we're going to try to get our members to vote against you on this one single issue. Very difficult uh, indeed, and uh, one wonders um, whether this debate will take another turn. And as you say, people outside uh, the United States, like in Korea or like in Australia, often look at this and, and sort of just scratch their heads. Uh, we're unfortunately out of time, but Professor O'Connor, it was great to get your insights. So once again, appreciate it and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be on your show. Have a good evening. That was Professor Brendan O'Connor.
Soul City News up next.